I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In each episode, we kick it off with the week in review, what movies and TV shows we've been watching since the last episode, move on to the main event, which is a main topic of discussion or a main review, and then finish up with film faves, our respective list of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. In this episode, I, I know that I had announced in the past episode that we were going to do a film fave segment around our favorite double features. However, due to life getting in the way and and really compressing our time here, we are actually going to have to save that film faves list for another time. So what happened was basically we got our, our COVID vaccine. We are now... On 100% or 95%, actually, literally, protected. But we also had reactions to that that prevented us from uh, seeing our main event review and and recording. And then we had a an emergency that happened a couple days ago that really just kind of threw things off. So uh, we're short on our typical recording schedule and so what we have for this episode is we're going to have a fairly lengthy week in review because we took some time off since our last episode we've seen a few things caught up with some 2021 releases as well as one or two 2020 releases we'll talk about that and then our main event will be a review still of taylor sheridan's those who wish me dead which is available in theaters and on hbo max so let's uh dive on in here first with a week in review we saw quite a bit of things first of all sometime during our break marvel studios released a marketing piece a promo piece that was really quite something that basically was encouraging people uh, basically to get out in the theaters with their upcoming releases. I'm going to play that now. I love being with people. It's the most incredible thing in the world. What are you doing? Oh, this is nice. That world may change and evolve. But the one thing that will never change, we're all part of one big family. We are Groot. That man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. Higher, further, faster, baby. That's right. part of one universe Wakanda forever! that moves ever upward and onward to greater glory on your left 
Wars. But I'm done running from my past. We have unfinished business. Who's we? something to fight for it. We're the ones who changed everything. And so after he's watching that... Are you getting choked up again? Because I am. Oh, yeah? <laughs> a little bit. I'm trying to keep it cool. That scene, that moment in that where it shows the... Uh, it says on there, you, you, you couldn't hear it, but it says on there that it was the opening night premiere of Avengers Endgame. And it had the portal scene in that where... Captain America get uh, summons Mjolnir, Mjolnir and says Avengers Assemble. That got us so verklempt, so, <laughs> so emotional that we had to watch Avengers Endgame again. So let's talk briefly about that promo piece because not only did it show some clips from the previous movies in the MCU... But, it, you know, in terms of looking back, but also it looked forward and announced the, the slate for the foreseeable future of, of the MCU movies. OK, and those films include are the following Black Widow, July 9th, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, September 3rd, The Eternals, November 5th, Spider-Man No Way Home, December 17th. And then we cross over into the year 2022 with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness Thor Le- uh, on March 25th, Thor Love and Thunder on May 6th, Black Panther Wakanda Forever July 8th, The Marvels November 11th, and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania February 17th of 2023, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, May 5th, 2023. And what was the last thing we saw in that run, Shanna? Oh, yes. The thing I didn't quite click on <laughs> the first time around. Yeah, the Fantastic Four logo. Yeah. So no exact release date for that, but I'm sure we can expect that sometime in 2023 since the other two films are coming out in the first half of 23. So did you have any thoughts about that? that um, announcement, that release schedule, those those kinds of things uh, that came up in the promo piece? Here's what I think about this. This kind of promo piece wouldn't exist without the pandemic. You, you know, we haven't been in the cinema for months and months and months. And now 
Disney, Marvel, needs to bring people back to the cinema and this is their way of advertising how wonderful an experience that can be. I mean, it's nice, you know, to cuddle up on the bed and watch the movie together, but to have your first experience be in the cinema around other people that most likely feel the same way about the franchise as you is just so much a richer experience Mm -hmm. and lets you also know that there are people out there that feel the same way as you. Mm -hmm. So it's this really wonderful connection game, isn't it? And they wouldn't be having this if there was no pandemic taking that away from us. So I, you know, a release schedule is a release schedule. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about the shows because I think that, you know, why have two hours of She-Hulk when I could have 10 or eight hours or whatever? I don't know what their plan is. Okay, so you're jumping ahead a little bit in talking about the TV shows. I guess that wasn't part of the promo piece, but let me uh, tell you what is apparently scheduled in that during that entire time you can tell TV what wise. i'm obsessed with right now apparently yeah sorry. so we already had wandavision the falcon and winter soldier as part of this phase right we're about to have loki in a couple weeks as well there's also going to be a what if anthology animated series which i don't think will actually factor into the overall mcu story but that's a thing Ms. Marvel will be introduced, which I think is going to be the Kamala Khan version of Ms. Marvel. And that's going to lead into Marvel, The Marvels, which I mentioned a moment ago. That's a six-episode limited series. Hawkeye, uh, don't know how many episodes apparently that limited season, series is going to have, but that's going to essentially pass the baton of the Hawkeye mantle. That comes out in l- the end of this year. Next year, you have Moon Knight, and She-Hulk and the next Nick Fury-related series, Secret Invasion, which we've already seen a couple things definitely leading into that. That's also in 2022. So those are the things that we know are coming out at the same time or around the same time that these other movies are coming out. And you're saying you're looking more forward to these, these limited series than the movies? I think the movie that I'm most looking forward to is probably Doctor Strange. Mm, yeah. I am a big fan of that sort of mystical, magic-y type things. And yeah. uh, Thor Love and Thunder looks... Like, I mean, it feels like it's going to be exciting. And um, Fingers crossed we see Jane uh, Foster take over as Thor. And that's also and directed I'm, by Taika Waititi. Well, anything that man does, I'll like, yes, please. You know, mm-hmm. can I have more... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then um, Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, those are kind of my favorites. And then I'm very curious about Eternals. I'm happy to receive any of this. Yeah. You know, but. And then Black Panther 2 is just a case of like, well, I wonder what they're going to do. I need to see a little bit more. I'm obviously excited no matter what. I mean. Yeah. I'm happy to go back to Wakanda. Mm. Um, But with like Doctor Strange, I know Doctor Strange is still there. So I have this idea of like, okay, well, maybe even Scarlet Witch will come in. Mm -hmm. And I have this idea of like, okay, I know we're going to go somewhere in this direction. Uh, But with Wakanda, I have, you know, with Black Panther, Wakanda forever, I have no idea. But I'm, I'm also excited. How about you? Well, a couple of things strike me. First of all, these films are being helmed by talents of the like of Chloe Zhao, who just won an Oscar for Nomadland. Mm. Uh, you got John Watts continuing the Spider-Man stuff. Sam Raimi 
is doing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Taika Waititi's coming back. You got Ryan Coogler coming back for the Black Panther movies. Uh, so, and, and Peyton Reed, I think he did the previous Ant-Man movies. He's coming back as well. So you got some, uh, pretty strong talent, talent behind the camera coming here. I think also when we watched Avengers Endgame, what really struck me was how much I missed some of these characters, even though it's only mm. been a couple years, I missed seeing Dr. Strange. I missed seeing Peter Parker. I missed even seeing Ant-Man and, and a couple of the others. So, uh, the biggest, most exciting thing for me is how much I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Shang-Chi. I don't know what to expect from Eternals. I don't know really what to expect from Thor, Love, and Thunder. I don't know what to expect with the Captain Marvel sequel, The Marvels. There's so many unknown quantities here. I don't necessarily, I have an idea, but I don't know what it's going to look like in mm. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You know what that's going to do. I don't know what Spider-Man No Way Home is yeah. going to offer. I'm trying. Actually, there's so much news around Spider-Man No Way yeah. From Home that I wish wasn't out there. Well, I'm trying I feel, to stay fresh. I feel lukewarm about Spider-Man because okay. Spider-Man's just he's always going to freaking be there. Yeah, it's like Batman. Batman's always going to be there in gotcha. some shape or another. And so I don't have a lot of excitement about Spider-Man. If it's going to incorporate the multiverse, I'm all for that. But like, I'm not like dying to know what's going on, you know, because it's Spider-Man. Okay. You know? All right. All right. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about this promo and, and the future of the MCU? No, I don't think so. I just I can't wait to get back to the theater for, for Marvel movies. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, and the first one will be Black Widow, which we will make a main event here on The Movie Lovers. So that is the MCU promo and Avengers Endgame. Moving on, Shanna was in the mood to revisit 1996's Space Jam. Of course, there is a... <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take much i don't even know the song anymore at this point wave your hands in the air if you're feeling fine we've got a something something going on welcome I, to the space jam i think i know what i'm gonna get you for christmas <laughs> a space jam shirt the, the the cd i'm gonna get you the cd <laughs> i grew up with the cd it was a very exciting cd when i was you know whatever age i was when it came out uh nine well there you okay, go well, the exciting gift so of course there's a sequel coming out a, a sort of pseudo sequel coming out it was one of the movies we talked about in our bonus episode, hopefully you caught that, our summer movie preview episode. It was one of the few films we were looking forward to in that month. I think it's July it's coming out. But this is the original. This is the one that featured Michael Jordan, who at this point, this is really interesting. So, okay, the IMDb description is, in a desperate attempt to win a basketball match and earn their freedom, the Looney Tunes seek the aid of retired basketball champion Michael Jordan. This is directed by Joe Pitka. If Joe Pitka does not ring any bells as a director, director, that is probably because Joe Pitka was mostly a music video and commercial director who only made one other movie prior to Space Jam, and Space Jam was his last movie so far. 
That other movie was, I think, Let It Ride with Richard Dreyfuss, which was like mm, eight years before. Okay. This movie stars, of course, the Looney Tunes characters, but also you have Wayne Knight, Teresa Randall, Larry Bird, Bill Murray, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, Sean Bradley, and a slew of other people pop up in this film, sometimes as themselves, sometimes as characters. Shanna... Tell me what you thought at, now that you're an adult looking back on Space Jam. Was it everything you remembered it being? <laughs> and so much more. Um, you know, this is just one of those films that you want to revisit every now and again because it had such a significant, I guess, not really significant, but something else. Like it was just always there. On the periphery, uh-huh. growing up in South Africa, there's a lot of black characters in this movie. And so in South Africa, it played really well, even though South Africa doesn't participate in basketball. There may be a couple of communities that do participate and they I don't know, there might be a team, they might not. I'm not incredibly sure, but... You know, there were other sports that were more prominent, were more, more prominent. Mm. But this was just such a cool movie. Every who doesn't like Michael Jordan, even if you don't get to go to basketball games, who doesn't love that man? Were you aware of him growing up? There was hype about him everywhere. Okay. So, you know, some kids would have Michael Jordan posters, some kids would have, you know, whatever didn't sell in America filters through to the rest of the world right Uh, right right right. Um, especially the african continent usually gets stuff that didn't sell well or was a manufacturing issue and just gets sent to (laughs) south africa or the african continent but that's definitely not the case in in in, with space jam i mean this thing was a decent hit i'm trying to find its box office it made 80 80 million dollars not 80,000 80 million dollars <laughs> hey, in its lifetime decent. its opening weekend was 27.5 million this is we're we're talking about 96 dollars here 1996 dollars mm. so it it was it definitely did all right um i don't know oh sorry its budget was 80 million sorry oh. it grossed a total of 230.4 million dollars i mean that's pretty decent for back then worldwide fairly decent that's fairly decent for today with a budget of um 80 million dollars so in the in the states it made back its budget and marketing so and that's when it's important worldwide right? it was yeah. freaking huge so so it was it was great being able to watch this there's a couple of issues obviously that exist oh um like a couple green screen things aren't holding up very well but for back then i think it looked amazing i mean who doesn't love an animation crossover live action mm. film and Looney Tunes does really, well, at least when I was growing up, Looney Tunes was very, very popular in South Africa. So seeing all those characters is a lot of fun, but also seeing live action stuff and seeing the guy from Ghostbusters, what, was always thrilling. And then the guy from Jurassic Park, what? Which guy from Jurassic Park? Oh, Wayne Knight. Yeah, Wayne Knight. So my inner kid came out and obviously the soundtrack got played on repeat in our car because every time a piece of music came on i was like dancing and having a good time during the movie so 
Yeah. There's still funny stuff that happens. I think it holds up pretty well. There wasn't anything. Unless I missed. Why are you saying that? Did I miss something? Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the film still. I'm glad you had fun. But here's what here's what you know, there's issues in this film. Okay, like with the reason why they want to bring the Looney Tunes to this alien planet. That's like basically a bad version of of Disneyland. It's like a it's an amusement version. park, yeah, okay. Um, but it's like an amusement planet. But I'm really looking forward to the next Space Jam because I feel like, oh well, this just gives us the concept, and the Space Jam that's coming out this year is gonna like rock it, you know? Well, it, it looks like almost completely different concept. We'll well, if we do review that movie, we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, this movie is basically what happens when a studio executive smokes pot and does, <laughs> makes and makes decisions at the same time. I mean, I, I seriously don't know what what Warner Brothers was on at the time, the studio executives, because this thing is just absolutely bonkers and and just weird. And so it, it's 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 pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I'm I'm just gonna say it's it's really not good. So, um, it's I, ridiculous. But what's interesting about it, if I may, what's interesting about it that I did not remember is that, it, and maybe this is what the screenwriter's original intention was of this, uh, screenwriters being Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rudnick, it it basically like tracks Michael Jordan's career. Mm. But it, I think it's trying to essentially like say, this is the real story of Michael Jordan's career. But it like, involves the Looney Tunes. I think that I get the feeling <laughs> that that was its intent, but it mm. just like the whole thing kind of feels a little sideways and feels like oh, but let's make it for kids and 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 there's a lot of decisions in it that's weird. Mm. Like why else start the movie with a, like a two minute sequence with Michael Jordan as a kid? Like nothing else really carries through the film that makes that even necessary to start the movie that way. But also, like, when you consider the Looney Tunes cast of characters as, a, as part of a basketball team, I couldn't help but think there's some people, there's some characters in the stands that would make better basketball players. Like, why? Why wouldn't you want the biggest or tallest characters? Why would you want Tweety Bird, for, for God's sakes, okay. on your basketball team? You know, like, there's, I don't know. His, because when Tweety Bird gets mad, it's worth it? I don't know. <laughs> but what, what's, that, what's that orange monster's name? Oh, I can't remember, but his hair is fabulous. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, he's in the stands. Like, why wouldn't you recruit him as part of your basketball team, for crying out loud? Because he's not, like, the main eight or whatever. Yeah. It's Gossamer? Gossamer. Gossamer. Okay. So, thanks for looking that up. Anyway, there's some weird Oh, no, you see, it wouldn't work because he's got sharp, sharp claws. He'd break the ball. But Tasmanian Devil is in the team. Oh, that's true. <laughs> like, what kind of logic are we working here? Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 pretty rough stuff. And you get the impression that Bill Murray is only in it because Ivan Reitman produced the film. And Ivan Reitman, of course, is the director of Ghostbusters. You know, maybe he was doing a favor for Ivan Reitman. And he's not even in it nearly as much as I remembered him being in the movie. Mm. So anyway, this movie is on IMDb a six point four rating. I think that is a wow, very that's very high. Okay, you agree with me? Okay, <laughs> yeah. I think that's I just watched very it for generous. fun. Yeah. It's like let's just eat some popcorn and see the crazy creation that was made. That is our thoughts on Space Jam from nineteen ninety six. 
Next, we caught up with 2020's Greenland, starring pretty much nobody except Gerard Butler, Marina Baccarin, and Scott Glenn. This is a disaster movie about <laughs> a bunch of asteroids, basically, that are... Oh, Me- meteorites, right? Okay, meteors that are that are basically on a collision course to Earth, and one of which is on its way that's known as a... What is it called? A planet killer? Yeah. That's uh, so big that it will create a shockwave throughout the rest of the planet, killing 75% of life, right? And if that so, doesn't kill you, then it'll be the ash or the fire gotcha. or whatever. Right, gotcha. So this movie focuses on a particular family's attempts to survive this cataclysm, this the pending doom. Shanna, what are your thoughts on Greenland? Was this just a bunch of garbage or did it actually bring something to the table that was surprisingly interesting? This wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I'm going to say that about several things in okay. this episode. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, okay. Um, I was actually editing photos. And then I found that my editing time got slowed down a lot because I kept getting distracted by things that were happening in this movie. And that's what it's good at. It always has something happening. There's a challenge coming or there's something in the There's a hurdle. And so it's this nonstop got to get to safety, got to get to safety somehow kind of movie. And mm-hmm. it also is a little heart-wrenching and kind of is like, well, if the pandemic was just a little worse, maybe this is what it would look like for us, you know, for America. And What makes you say that? Well, there's a grocery store scene. You know, everyone's running to go get supplies. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of people that go in with guns. Like looting. Uh, yeah, th- there was looting. But then people come with guns and they're like, don't mess with us. We're going to take this, this, this. We have ownership of this store, which mm. is fine because the joke's on them at the end. Mm. And that was interesting because we've just, this movie came out. It was supposed to come out when? I like think at a... the end of 2020, I'm okay. going to verify, but I think if it wasn't November, it was December. Okay. I thought the performances were good, and I thought the situations were somewhat realistic. Obviously, things are getting amplified in this film, but you can see where their thought process started, and then you can also see where they turned it up to 11. Yeah, so it came out uh, December 18th, uh, 2020. I think it's a good one to watch. Like if you liked Deep Impact when you were a kid, like me, then maybe watch this one because it's like a hundred times better. I haven't seen, as an interesting point, I haven't seen Deep Impact in a very long time. I do remember that being a a sincere film. Mm. It wasn't as personalized as this one was because you still had a huge cast of characters in that film that it followed. I mostly remember Taya Leone in it and Elijah Wood. But uh, this film is directed by Rick Roman Waugh, who has also directed Angel Has Fallen. So and... he's a Gerard Butler fan. <laughs> a friend. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Say. I suppose. <laughs> I, I have to say, first of all, right off the bat, before I get any more specific, this movie surprised me at how decent it was. I found a lot of it riveting especially in the first half I, I think my jaw dropped several times i was actually surprised at how real and grounded it actually seemed in terms of how mm. it presented the situation 
I, I was actually very surprised by by a lot of this. The, the um the there's scenes where military aid are actually presented not in a what do you call a uh, propaganda kind of way, but actually just just the fact that they actually are competent at doing their job. Yeah, that was nice and refreshing to to see. But I'm of two minds. First of all, the first half of this film is both. It has a lot of strengths, but it also suffers from having a couple like predictable plot developments. Yes. So you're like, oh, well, that's going to be a plot mechanic. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. sure enough, it is. Or like, I wouldn't have put that in that particular bag and let right. it not be in my attention. Yeah, right. Whatever. Yeah. So. Some silly issues pop up in the first act. Uh, the biggest issue I have with the movie is there is a sense of urgency in it. There is a sense of how much time do we have till we get to this place in time, right? Um, before it's too late. And unfortunately, the movie doesn't really give you a good sense of time and space where you're like, you don't know how far away they are from their destination mm. uh, in the first half of the movie I'm referring to. And you don't know how much time is left for them to get to it. So if they're in a traffic jam, let's say, yeah. you don't know how far away they are. You don't know if they have two hours. You don't know if they have four hours. You don't know if they have 30 minutes. And that kind of help really was a problem for me in terms of the tension because I was on the edge of my seat, but I'm also like frustrated because I have no idea if this traffic jam is going to be a serious problem, you know, or, or if they have enough time to deal with this traffic jam. You know what I mean? Mm. That was a problem for me. <clears throat> You brought up a good point, though. We're really focusing on these three characters, this family. Mm -hmm. And that was really refreshing because it wasn't like six units of characters that we needed to focus on. And how many times do, do families get separated during these situations and then it's just like a shit show because you've got the, the main family that gets separated and then you've got the president and then you've got this guy that's in charge and that person and that person. So this was a very neat disaster film in that sense. It was. And I'm glad you brought that up because I'm actually of two minds of it. Because on the one hand, it's like, oh, how interesting, how refreshing to take what is a global cataclysm and really kind of personalize it and look at it from a, a microcosm kind of perspective. But at the same time, I'm hearing I'm hearing in passing, oh, Tacoma, Washington's gone. Oh, Tokyo was just hit, whatever. And I'm part of me is like, kind of want to see what happened. You know, like, <laughs> I want to see Greenland too. Like, take two of the story. I want to see what happened what, to the rest of the world. What happens in a microcosm in Australia? What happens in a microcosm Well, no, in a Africa? macrocosm. Like, I kind of want the Independence Day version of this story oh, too. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I want to feel that devastation worldwide, but I'm also appreciating this microcosm, this personalized perspective, too. So I'm of, of two minds of the film, and I'm not really sure that I was 100% won over by this perspective, but I also didn't dislike it. So, I don't know. What, what would you rate the film out of 10? Uh, maybe like a 6. Yeah. Yeah. A, a solid 6 out of 10 for me as well. So that's Greenland, starring Gerard Butler and Marina Baccarin, both of which who actually were really good, especially Marina Baccarin, solid actress. Next, we start getting into 2021 movies. We caught up with January's release, The White Tiger, directed by Rahmin Barani, who actually 
is most notable because of his movie Man Push Cart, which Roger Ebert championed, and Roger e- he credits Roger Ebert for helping his career get started. Uh, Priyanka Chopra co-stars in this along with the lead Adarsh Gurav and Raj Kumar Rao. The IMDb description of this film is that an ambitious Indian driver uses his wit and cunning to escape from poverty and rise to the top, an epic journey based on the New York Times best-selling novel. Uh, Ramin Bahrani adapted the script. So, Shanna, this thing was nominated for an Oscar. It earned five other nominations as well it was a best adapted screenplay nominee for the oscars as well as other screenplay credits from the writers guild and bafta and the independent spirit awards nominated the male lead for uh best male lead so what did you think of the white tiger do you think that it was deserving of the accolades and is it one of the best films of 2021 so far I'm not really sure about any of that. Um, (laughs) What I did like about this film is that performances were fantastic. So Darish Garov was awesome. His character arc was lovely to watch. Lovely to watch, okay. In that, you know, he was going from one end of the the scale to the other. Mm. They describe this film as... A story of an upcoming entrepreneur, up and coming entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And let me be frank, I am a fourth generation entrepreneur. And I was like, what the fuck <laughs> about the story? Mm. So it's an interesting one. There's a couple of things that I really like about the film. And then there's a lot that I really don't like about the film. And then there's some things that. I understand that I won't understand because I do not come from India. I did not grow up in India. Mm, mm -hmm. But I also note that it's like, okay, well, this is probably why I can't interpret blah, 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 but appreciate being educated on it. Okay. So broadly speaking, what were the, what was the good and what was the bad? The performance is good. Mm -hmm. The story is somewhat good. Okay. And the rest was kind of painful for me okay especially when we ended and i was like is is that how we're ending okay now like the end shot and all that stuff is lovely there's beautiful cinematography blah 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 but you know where we left it i was kind of like wait what um it's a bit of a unreliable narrator that's happening Mm. and so i'm not i get a little hazy Mm. between things Uh uh-huh okay so i battle with that right but it was an interesting film for sure uh you know you say it's an interesting film i think on paper ostensibly it is interesting but i didn't i wasn't interested while watching the movie i really struggled with this film i had a hard time i didn't like the main character so i couldn't really be committed to his journey and what happens to him but i also didn't like the his his what is he his master ashok is that what they call him? His master? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, who, so he's an incredibly wealthy guy, and he tries to essentially befriend this driver that he has, Balram, but he's also the son of, like, he, it's like it's almost like he's another generation of this very wealthy family, and the, the father is a dick who abuses his servants and stuff, you know? And is trying to control... 
politics. Right. Yes. There is a political element in this. Yeah. There's a lot happening in this film. Yeah. 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 I was a little more interested in the politics than the main story, actually. But Ashok definitely does not want to be like his dad. And in fact, like very early on in the film, I think this is in the trailer. The main character has tried to be implicated in an accident. Uh, not implicated, but scapegoated in an accident. And Ashok doesn't does not seem to be a big fan of that plan. So Ashok seems like a really good guy, but I'm also like, I didn't really care about him that much either. So I really had a hard time being invested in this story, even though when you read through the plot descriptions, yes, there's interesting elements to it. I just did not engage with the execution at all. And so I was very disappointed by the white tiger overall especially considering how well reviewed it is and how how awarded the script is so shanna do you have any other thoughts on the white tiger and how would you rate it out of 10 i think it's a seven because there's a lot they're trying to take on and they're trying to show you and it was very eye-opening for me Mm. and i i think maybe that's what they're trying to do they're either trying to open your eyes to something you know nothing about or they're trying to say to people who know this life i see you Mm. so i think it's important for that Mm. aspect but i also battled with it yeah i definitely did i gave it a five out of ten that is the white tiger by ramin barani next moving on we have shadow in the cloud, another early All right, release. Let's talk about this one. Yes, <laughs> another early release from 2021. Uh, this film stars Chloe Moretz, Chloe Grace Moretz, as um, her credits are very quick to point out, and uh, Nick Robinson. This is mostly just Chloe's show, as she is a female World War II pilot traveling with top secret documents on a B-17 flying fortress who encounters an evil presence on board the flight. This is a film that has to do with gremlins. This is the concept of gremlins. This is a film that has to do with females involved in the service during the war, involved in the war. uh, Beyond production of weapons, etc. Right. This is a film that's directed by Roseanne Liane. Apologies for the the mispronunciation. She also co-wrote the script with Max Landis. What is Roseanne known for? That's a very good question. Taking a quick look here, it looks like Roseanne Lean is a director and writer known for Do No Harm and My Wedding and Other Secrets. Not really familiar. Like Not really <laughs> familiar with her work prior to this. So. Shanna, there's definitely a a heavily spoiler aspect to this film that we will avoid. But what do you think (laughs) of Shadow and the Cloud? you will avoid spoiling this. This was a, a fantastic film. I loved the beginning of it. They really dealt with a lot of sexism that exists in a male-dominated workforce. Mm. They dealt with a lot of inappropriate locker-talk bullshit. So I appreciated what they were doing. And 
I thought this film was fantastic. I love it. I champion it. It totally... Uh, like there's so much I want to say, but don't want to spoil anything. The way it was filmed, you know, they have her in, I don't know what it's called, but if you're it's, at the bottom it, of the ship. Yeah, it's uh, like, the, I don't know the technical not, word. It's, it's like the belly Of the gunner. airplane, yeah. Yeah. So of the airplane, so she's in the dark. She knows nothing. I mean, she can hear them. She's tapped into what they're saying. The radio. And yeah, and they are ignorant as fuck and think that she's not capable of that. And she listens to them for quite a period of time. And the way they show that cinemagraphically is fantastic because as one character's talking, she imagines him in you know this rough oh okay macho way Uh and it's got red and green color gels and just really beautifully shot in this threatening way Mm. and it's it's so great i just i cannot say enough good things about it and i cannot say more (laughs) about it yeah i i love chloe grace moretz i i can't wait to see her in more stuff and if we could have more movies like this, that would be a lot of fun. Look, this is like a, this is totally popcorn entertainment f- movie. You know, this isn't like, oh, it's pure perfection and just a masterpiece. But I think it's like one of those fun, going to become a cult classic, possibly definitely fall into the cult range. Yeah, I think you're right about that. It's definitely, you know, <laughs> it's important to, because most of what we're talking about makes it sound like a very serious World War II film and this is a movie let's not forget that involves gremlins so it's a lot of fun this is a very pulpy film mm-hmm. and i think you're right it it should at least attain cult class a uh, cult not cult classic but some cult following you know uh i didn't expect a lot out of this movie and i was actually fairly surprised i found it quite riveting i found this idea of 70% of the movie basically just being focused on Chloe Grace Moretz and and the other characters are just through their voices over mm-hmm. radio communication. Uh, I thought that was really cool and interesting. But this movie, like you, you are either with it after a certain point or you're not. It is a very pulpy, fun film that you just kind of go along with the ride. Okay, so she, the big thing is that she is transporting a suitcase or some sort of a a case, and everyone is forbidden to open that case, right? Or or meet dire consequences, right? She's very protective of this case. I will say that once we learn the story of what that case is, I was a little underwhelmed by what that is. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm not going to say it doesn't pay off in the third act or anything uh, like that, because it does. I just found it slightly underwhelming because of the buildup that was so big regarding that case. Didn't know you felt that way. Well, I have to say, I don't agree. I thought clearly. it was fantastic. I, I know you don't and agree. And very exciting. I, I understand. And I was like, ooh. But look, like I said, the stuff in the third act regarding what that case means about that character, about Chloe's character and everything, I was totally on board for It's fun. It's awesome. You know, this is a very feminist film, too. And 
I'm a hundred percent with it there. It but, was also very nice how the end credits rolled, honoring different female pilots. Yes, yes, photography yes. featuring that time. Yes, but I was going to say, you know, this is a movie with a very small budget. I don't know like what the the budget is. Maybe I can find out here, but it feels like it's a very small uh, budget. Yeah, uh, nope, I don't have budget information here. Of course, it it did it op- it opened during the pandemic, so it didn't earn much. Hopefully, it gets a lot of streams though. The men in this movie are absolutely infuriating, and but at the same time, it never felt inauthentic. Like I have seen this kind of dialogue even online. So to imagine this, the dialogue that we hear mm. these men spout mm. openly, spout is a good word in this context of in in the service in the air force or whatever is not surprising whatsoever and i'm willing to bet there are a lot of men who served our country during the uh, 90s during the aughts that probably heard a lot of similar uh language and it's it's um it's very infuriating but i think it's also speaking to this is a very post me too film as well um so i appreciate it for that so yeah i think this is this is a movie that you know it has a 4.8 a whopping dismal 4.8 on imdb out of sixteen thousand reviews i think that is absurd this is that suggests this movie is garbage and i mean anything under a six on imdb it has to get a lot of one stars in order to get that low and I don't think that's the case with this movie at all. I can tell you don't either, Shannon. Where would you rate Shadow in the Cloud out of 10? Oh, probably an 8. Mm, very good. I rate it a 6 out of 10. It is, like you said, it's not a great film, but it's absolutely a lot of fun and is definitely deserving of some attention. Mm-hmm. So that's Shadow in the Cloud, a, an 83-minute roller coaster ride. Starring Chloe Grace Moretz. That's a nice point too. It's just a short burst of fun. Yeah. You know, it doesn't like go on and on and on. Yeah. And speaking of fun, let's move on to the next 2021 movie that we saw. The Mitchells versus the Machines. This is an animated film that got distributed released on netflix it was not originally going to be it was going to be released in theaters uh but unfortunately because of the pandemic they made the decision to release it on netflix instead this is the film that stars danny mcbride abby jacobson maya rudolph eric andre olivia coleman fred armison beck bennett chrissy teigen john legend charlene yee conan o'brien is that enough people for you? It is quite a bit. It is directed apparently by two writers of Gravity Falls, the Disney animated series, which, Shanna, you're a big fan of Gravity Falls. I absolutely love that show. Did you love, absolutely, the Mitchells versus the Machines? <laughs> yes, I did. I thought that this was a very clever film. Dealing with family issues. One of the biggest family issues is when your oldest goes away to college. Mm -hmm. And how do you deal with that? They're excited to go. They found their 
they're people and you want to be happy for that but you also don't want to lose them you don't want them to never come back you know so it's this really unique way of of dealing with all those things and not only showing it from her perspective her being super excited to go and be accepted into this community that she's always wanted but also for her father who's like well did I really make the most of my time here I've sacrificed a lot for my child do I sacrifice more like what Mm -hmm. what can I do what can't I do it's such an uncertain moment right and it really is just a moment because then then they're gone to college so it's just really interesting how they're dealing with it and they also have the brother-sister relationship going on yes and it's so hard when your sibling goes away to college as well and they deal with that and then What's nice about this film as well is mom is kind of the anchor. She's just like, okay, everyone stay calm. Mm-hmm. We're all going to get through this. And we don't really, you know, I think she's the most supportive in that she sees her daughter finding her community and being very happy about that for right. her. And yeah. then she's more of the like, hey, so from observing how you guys are interacting, here's how you need to change, honey. And sweetie maybe you could just give your dad some slack there you know so that's all very interesting but it's all also you know there's devastating moments where like the dad says oh i canceled your flight to college (laughs) we're gonna drive you and spend some time with you and it's like wait she's gonna miss orientation that's so rude that's a great segue because (laughs) what i didn't introduce was the concept which is exactly that Mm -hmm. with a robot apocalypse so it's this family road trip at the same uh, while a robot apocalypse is taking place. Yeah. And, and I don't know. We can't really speak about the robot side of things, can we? I mean, not a lot. We could okay. basically say that in the first 20 minutes, because that's our guideline, it's set up that it comes from a tech company, right? Mm-hmm. And um, basically the machines rise from a, a, a very prominent tech company mm-hmm. who... They're not trying to be like anyone particular at right. all. I was you say. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So their sleek design and gradient multicolored backgrounds are, are not a giveaway at all. <laughs> so that is what we can say, at least, you know. And that also deals with relationships, you know. So it's a very relationship, very authentic mm-hmm. in its apocalyptic aside-ness very authentic thing and i think if you're like a kid of the 90s or 80s probably more 90s this is a very very funny film because there's these little little nuggets that you'll be able to relate to so i'm a big fan of this movie i I will say right off the bat before i say anything else about it i thought this movie was was a blast it was a very well done i was uh, i was surprised at how witty it is mm-hmm. and i was very surprised at all the elements that you were just speaking to about the family and how it, it really has a lot of heart to it and you know and just speaking to the father the parent child uh having a bit of a disconnect and what what can be done in order to bring that relationship back around and not be affected long term right mm-hmm. And so I appreciated that element of the film. That said, really minor issues I have with it. It is a little long. It felt about 15 minutes too long. It's an hour 53 minutes. Felt like it could have been a little tighter. And it's just, it's got a little bit of that really modern, like manic energy to yeah. animation. 
you know, I'm like, just calm well, down should, just a little bit. You just shouldn't calm down be just surprised bit, you know? because of who the creators are. Well, even then, I, I don't know. Like, I, I like Gravity Falls. I didn't find it as manic as this movie Okay, is, fair. You know? Um, but you know same kind of heart though yes and relationships they're very good at that so that is the mitchells versus the machines another big surprise i don't know if i said but i give it an eight out of ten what do you give the film oh yeah i would i would go with an eight as well okay and lastly i think for this segment which uh, we promised you a supersized segment here and it is the woman in the window from (laughs) so (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, if the audience knows you, they know already that you're not a fan uh, <laughs> the way that you said that. I'm just wow. going to All say, right, then. first, this <laughs> is for many a much-anticipated adaptation of a very well-sold novel. The IMBD, IMDb description of this film is an agoraphobic woman living alone in New York begins spying on her new neighbors only to witness a disturbing act of violence. It is directed by Joe Wright of Atonement and Hannah, written by Tracy Letts, who is quite the well-renowned uh, playwright, and you know Shanna as the father in Lady Bird. Amy Adams stars, Gary Oldman stars, Anthony Mackie, Julianne Moore, Jennifer Jason Lee, Wyatt Russell, Brian Tyree Henry. What could possibly go wrong with this movie with all this talent, right? And you have the cinematographer of Amelie involved. So amazing. And Danny Elfman does the score. Yes, that so was great. Surely this is a one of the best movies of the year, right? Right, Shannon? You're so mean. <laughs> you're smiling. It's not like you're being totally devious, but it's a little mean. <laughs> so you do you, you didn't think it was one of the best movies of the year, huh? Look, it's not one of the best. I think it's I think it's one of the it's definitely a favorite cinematography, set design, lighting, mm-hmm. color use favorite of mine now. Okay. Because of, you know, who did it, of course. And I like the lighting and I like the an idea here or there of this film with what they were playing with. But that's kind of what they're doing the whole film is they have some good ideas. And unfortunately, those ideas, none of them go deeper than that. And that's the problem with this film. Did I enjoy watching it? Yeah. Yes, yes you did. More popcorn for me, you know, <laughs> more were... popcorn enjoyment. I liked... Shadow in the Clouds more. I think Shadow in the Clouds oh. did a better job. It's a different movie. Well, if I compare the two, you mm. know, it's the one that came to mind. Okay. You know, popcorn entertainment, pure entertainment wise. All right. This one, eh, it was a teeny bit predictable. So. A teeny, okay. A teeny bit, what, okay. I wish I could find out from you what you predicted in this segment. I did tell you, you kept saying that I did not predict it, but I did. Eh, okay. You Yes and no. So this movie was almost a main event review. We would have been fighting. <laughs> we Okay, so I, I changed course weeks ago because I heard, oh, this might be just a Netflix movie. And then our main, the movie I chose was going to go to theaters. This movie was supposed to go to theaters. Uh, and, and just like the Mitchells versus the Machines, um, because of the pandemic, it ended up going to Netflix instead. I This movie 
just baffles me. I, I just cannot believe what I was watching with the amount of talent. Like why, what happened with this thing? It's, it's like every element of this movie. I, I know you love the cinematography. That's fantastic. Sure. Cool. Things were lit. Well, all right. But everything <laughs> about this movie that matters as far as I'm concerned yeah. is terrible. And you were shocked. You were surprised when I, I, I said, I, I hated this movie. I cannot believe this uh this movie terrible directing by joe wright i the tension is poorly built up we there's a scene like i think it's like 10 minutes into the damn movie where we're where the woman is being faced with having to go outside and we're supposed to already like be right there with her and like be just as tense about the potential of her opening her front door with it, it's just uh, nothing is really well developed or built up here. Not not to say the least, like this is a total rear window knockoff, right? You were the first one <laughs> to bring that up to me. It's well, like, oh, yeah. a rear window here. But I'm like, okay oh, yeah. watching more rear window stuff. <laughs> if it's done well, but my God, there's moments in this movie where I feel like the person that the actress is supposed to be talking to is not even in the same room as her when she's doing her shot when she's doing her scene there's just so much disconnect in the delivery of the dialogue and the directing it's 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 so bad and how is it possible for tracy let's to write a script this bad it makes me wonder about the book i mean hell you know twilight made a shitload of money as a book maybe this is garbage too i don't know but this movie sure as hell doesn't sell me on the book it's 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 awful it has this unreliable narrator trope that never gels oh uh, yeah this was like a double unreliable narrator for us because we watched the white tiger and then we watched this yeah yeah this was definitely worse uh it's just nothing about this movie is developed very well no component of this film is executed very well that's great that you figured things out and you predicted everything um but so like cynical that's nice for you i don't know i i like i checked out of this movie Mm. very like probably within its first 20 minutes i was still watching it don't get me wrong i wasn't like it wasn't like i was not following it but uh, at this point like at that point i didn't care because there's so many sins that it committed that like i knew what i was in for for the next hour 20 minutes or something i was just like good lord and it never got better everything about this movie was was really not good really not good um and you could kind of I don't know. It was, it was predictable at times. Nobody with the talent that they had stopped and said, hey, something's not working here. <laughs> like, nobody? I can't believe this. Like, I, I just can't believe that everybody's capable to in, to in, create. All, all these people came together and they created this. It's just baffling to me. Do you ever think that it was just too many awesome talents? Too many? And maybe they had differing opinions and maybe there was like this fight for control. And I don't get that impression. I mean, like, I don't I just don't get that impression. Like Tracy Letts was the screenwriter. Joe Wright was the director. You have two. You really only have two creatives here. Tracy Letts even has a bit part in the movie, too. I don't get the impression that like 
there is any outside influence or creative challenges with it. I just think that somehow everybody dropped the ball on this thing and it's baffling. And I also think that maybe the story wasn't that good to begin with. It wasn't that original to Hmm. begin with. So uh, did you have any other thoughts on the woman in the window? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's fun to watch if you want to learn about color uh, and lighting, you know but what, that's about it. You know what's also fun to watch to learn about color? Oh, dear God. Are you going to say Rear Window? Sesame Street. God, you can learn all about the colors what the watching hell, Sesame Jeff? Street. You definitely <laughs> don't have to sit through this. So I give this film a 3 oh out of 10. God. How about you? Okay. No, that's fine. I was going to give it a 4 or 5, okay? So let's just go with 4 so that you're satisfied. No, no, no. It's true. It's true. At, yeah, and yeah, let's yeah. move on to the next thing, okay? <laughs> right, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, let's go. All right. That, that's that's our weekend review. And now it's time for the main event, which is our review of Those Who Wish Me Dead. Why'd they put you in a fire tower? Well, I'm just lucky, I guess. I read the wind wrong. I should have gone to them. Then you've been dead too. That's our job. I'm not gonna hurt you. I wanna see where the blood's coming from. It's not my blood. You in trouble? Anyone else in trouble? My dad said if anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. Are you someone I can trust? We promise absolutes. Act accordingly. Run on. Run on. Those men that came for your father. Did you see their faces? Cut you down. Run! Give me something else to worry about. You're gonna run. Run for a long And you're gonna keep running. That eats everything in its path. You really wanna die for this kid? Take a deep breath. Hold it. And lay back. What happens next? You look it right in the eye. And that was from the trailer to Those Who Wish Me Dead, directed by Taylor Sheridan, starring Angelina Jolie, Nicholas Holt, Finn Little, John Bernthal... Aiden Gillen, Jake Weber, and Tyler Perry. 
The IMDb description of Those Who Wish Me Dead is a teenage murder witness finds himself pursued by twin assassins in the Montana wilderness with a survival expert tasked with protecting him and a forest fire threatening to consume them all. I'm sorry, twin assassins? Twins. Yeah, he keeps saying they're brothers. Yeah. yeah you didn't know that? Yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't make sense because of the casting. But yeah, and the age. Yeah. The age is a bit of a... Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. not like one was born last month and the other one was born two months from there. There's a couple years difference there. Uh, to put it mildly. We'll get back to that. Wow. So when we talk about a film, when we review a film as the part of the main event, we talk about the good first, what we liked about a movie, what worked for us about a film, and then move into the bad, what didn't work. What were its flaws? What what made a movie shit, even? And then we weigh whether or not the good outweighs the bad. Then move on to spoilers and final thoughts. So, Shanna, I chose to review this film, Those Who Wish Me Dead, over The Woman in the Window. Both came out the same weekend as our main event review. Was this the right choice? Or... Were we in a catch-22, a rock in a hard place, where no matter what we chose for this uh, review, we were screwed? Oh, maybe we were screwed either way. Oh! Um, this was better. Okay. I just felt like making you do the O face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to have a little fun after well, this your was... Sesame Street comparison <laughs> comment. Yeah, this was a better film. I think okay. you made the right choice with what we should review. Uh, let's see how it goes. Well, what was good about the film? I thought the performances were good. I was mostly okay with the, you know, who was in the cast. It was a very macho cast. So I feel like maybe we're playing into stereotypes there, but maybe we're not. not really I don't sure. know. I have not really hung out with many of these types you, you haven't hung out with firefighters? No. Forest firefighters? No. No, okay. have you? Well, I I was around a firefighter for about two years, so... Yeah, and? I mean, I don't think it's that macho. Okay. But I could be wrong. Okay. I have a... Personally, I have a hard time connecting with Angelina Jolie. Now, when she's doing humanitarian work, I'm like all over that. I'm like, that's such a great idea. She's doing something with the bees at the moment uh, to help with bee populations. And I think that that's great. But when I'm looking at her as an actress, I do have a hard time, even though she did really well in, was it Gigi? Oh, Where she was oh. a model and, and it was during the AIDS yeah 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 uh i'll look that up okay gia gia Gia. Gia. okay there we go and that was i liked her in that maybe because it was so like drama but this was okay it was all right seeing angelina jolie as this woman wrecked with guilt and needing to be absolved of it and an opportunity came and she could dance with death a little bit and maybe she'd be absolved and have death you know it was it was kind of interesting all right what else was good about it? I was so excited to see Jake Weber. He is the dad from the show Medium with Patricia Arquette. And I just loved seeing him in that show. And when I saw him here, I was like, oh, it's so nice you're here. And then I was like, you're going to die, aren't you? So it's like it's definitely a film where I'm like, are you going to die? Are you going to die? Is everybody going to die? Like it was 
so that's the thing about the film. It was good that everything was so action-packed and I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. And there were a lot of little things that were happening that I wasn't expecting. He was hard to recognize in this film. I trying to rem- find out what I remember him from. I guess it was just a handful of stuff in the 90s that I saw him in. Oh, American Gothic. He starred in a short-lived TV series called American Gothic. That's what I know him most from. I haven't seen him much in years. Uh, barely recognized him here, uh, but definitely don't have anything bad to say about him. I have a fear of fire, so I'm glad I didn't watch this in the cinema. It might have been a little too much for me because they definitely make that a thing in this film. And we know from the trailer that a fire is started and that's kind of colliding with the rest of the storyline. So it's not like I didn't know that fire was going to be a thing, but I'm glad that I watched it on my iPad Pro and not on like a huge screen because that would have been a bit much. Mm, mm. Uh, A bit much for you, hey? So that's what I liked about it. What did you like about it? I thought this film, well... Mostly, I think this film is fine. Taylor Sheridan is a fairly reliable director in the past recent years. If I remember correctly, Taylor Sheridan previously directed Hell or High Water, but he also directed Wind River. Oh, I love that film. Wind River, which is a solid thriller. Uh, That was really good. Really liked that, that, uh, that film. You know, he's a, also a fairly reliable um, screenwriter. He, he wrote both the scripts to those films, and he also wrote the script to Sicario as well. I don't think he, you know, no, he did have a hand in the script here, but also he wasn't the only one. Two others worked on the script adapting the source novel, Charles Levitt, and that's not a strength of the film because this is the guy who did the scripts to films like Warcraft and the heart of the sea K packs. He doesn't have as good a uh, track record, but I was interested in the film because of Taylor Sheridan Angelina Jolie. She's someone I haven't seen on screen much in recent years. And it was refreshing to see her again. I don't know that I necessarily love everything she's done actually i probably like i probably dislike more things that she starred in than liked in her career honestly you know i'm not a fan of maleficent like you are and there's only a a couple other things that i really liked a mighty heart i thought she was solid in and uh, a couple other things you know all the things that made her famous i'm not a really big fan of but i've always liked her you know, I've always liked the ensemble rom-com playing by heart in the late 90s. Most people don't know about that. I agree with you about Gia. Mm-hmm. She's She proves that she is a very strong actress in that film, but she doesn't necessarily get a lot of opportunities to be that strong of an actress. Yeah, so if you haven't seen Maleficent 2, which I haven't, then the last time really saw her on, on screen was in 2015 by the, the film she directed, By the Sea. Not a good movie at all (laughs) or 2014's original maleficent film so but it was refreshing to see her again on screen and i really do like seeing her on screen i don't think she or anybody else is really bad in this i like john bernthal he plays a cop he's not a bad guy in this Mm. i liked um, yeah i liked it that was good yeah i definitely like who was his wife oh god uh 
Kashima's Me- killer. Medina Senor. I don't want to say anything about her, but at first, I'm not familiar with her. But at first, I was like, why did you sign on to this role? And then it becomes very clear I why she's on. I don't mind seeing her again. Yeah. Yeah. I do want, you know, I liked seeing Aiden Gillen. I want to see Aiden Gillen get more work. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people know him as Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. He's fantastic in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a perfectly adequate, perfectly fine thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what this movie does is it doesn't go over the top like a lot of thrillers from the past. It really tries to ground the characters and, and, and its events. So that worked for me. I enjoyed that. I appreciated that. Everything they do is fairly realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, causing a distraction from what they're actually trying to do by setting the forest on fire. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, you know, for their situation. Trying to get away from the fire this way, that way, and another way. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Surviving in this way, dying in that way. All of it, it it's all fairly realistic and none of it. At, there's, there isn't like anything at any point where I'm like, nah, so... Yeah. I like it. It it works. In a lot of ways, it works. And it's not as good by any means as Taylor Sheridan's other work, Wind River or Hell or High Water. And it's a little surprising that it doesn't reach those levels. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure what happened in the decision-making process. We'll talk about some of those things, why they took place. But those those are the things we like. So what didn't you like? What was the bad about those who wish me dead? Well, you know, I watched this film again today. So I've seen it twice now. It's a short film. So it's, it doesn't take up a lot of time. You know, if you're pressed for time and you're wondering, is this a good film to invest in? Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's good. Right. Um, Without credits, it's a little over 90 minutes. Yeah. And so it's perfect amount of film. Aidan Gillen's character, upon watching it the second time, it's a little hard to figure out why he's so annoyed or angry. Mm. I'm, I'm not saying he should love his job, but, but typically people in this profession, in Hollywood depictions, find peace with their work. You know, and it just, it's, it, I couldn't find a reason that was very evident of why he had the attitude he had. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like he was being bitten by mosquitoes and was pissed about it and was like, I hate this forest because I'm getting right. bitten. Right. You know, there wasn't anything very obvious. Mm-hmm. There was a scene in the first few minutes where he seemed annoyed that he seemed like a little conflicted that he had to kill a family. Mm. With children, so I think that might be it. But so I feel like this film suffers from me, person who loves assuming in movies um, and is easily (laughs) able to pull things together, Mm -hmm. uh, actually battled this time Mm. a little bit. Okay. So I'm not saying spoon feed me, but I'm also saying I just need a little bit more than that one piece of dialogue and I needed another piece of dialogue a little later. It just wasn't well developed is what you're saying. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, well, we spend a lot of time with that character. Right. He has a lot of shots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Yeah. I agree with you on this point, actually. Um, I, I, I absolutely agree. That was... It, for me, it was kind of a minor thing, but yes, that it was. It just kind of something that kind of sits me as, huh? Like, why is he so irritated with this place? Because it's not very well developed. Mm. 
uh, now that I read the plot description to learn that the assassins are supposed to be twins, I find <laughs> this that is bullshit baffling. Like I could believe them as brothers, yeah. one like ten years older or whatever, but twins? Really? Mm. Like, do we? Did we not look at the? age of these actors this is what i'm saying one has incredibly baby soft smooth skin and the other one has seen daylight you I know mean, so i'm just going to just take a peek at the <laughs> i swear if their years... birthday is around the same time i'm gonna laugh hysterically i will be shocked okay, okay. so 89 yeah nicholas holt is born in 1989 aiden gillen Aiden Gillen, who played Littlefinger in Game of Thrones, <laughs> he was born. Oh my gosh, the anticipation is cute. In 68. Dear God. 68. Okay. <laughs> Let's see here. 89. We've got a 90s okay. baby. 89. <laughs> like... To 69. That's uh, 20 years. Okay. Add oh one. Oh God. There's a 21-year age difference here, and they're supposed to be twins? (laughs) Did somebody just, maybe someone, let's give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe somebody just messed up the IMDb description or is trying to make people go crazy like you and me. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they definitely refer to each other as brothers in the film. Yeah. I just, uh, there's nothing, I don't, was there anything in the movie, watching it a second time, that suggested they're supposed to be twins? Nothing, nothing. There's not much that is actually happening. There's very little information about the two of them and what they do. We get, we obviously know they're assassins. This is what they do. Yeah. You know, we see things that we can talk about later mm-hmm. in spoilers. Uh, just a, a couple things didn't work for me. The the one one other thing I can talk to, to speak to right now that kind of bugged me a little bit is. We never really get the context of like the the impetus, right? We know that Jake Weber has information, and because he has information, that information is going to get him killed. That information is important information that when it gets out into the public, it'll blow the door wide open. But we don't really understand or know much about it. You know, he writes down information. We never really. We, we don't read that information. No one ever shares that information. There's a lot of context that's missing mm, in this yes. film. You get just the surface. We don't know anything about the the hitman's bosses, boss or bosses. There are other people that are referenced, but we don't really learn anything about that. There's a lot of information that's kind of missing that would have been nice to know, I think, you know? Well, and also the cause of these assassinations. That's what I'm saying. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah. what I got the second time round was, okay, dad is a forensic accountant. Right. That's it. Yes. And he says, oh, this particular incident involves government officials, involves a lot of people. He names another field and and says it again, you know? I wish that we had something in the background, mm. you know, to, to give us just a little more information, whether it's a piece of paper, a document, geez, I don't know, and, and, uh, anything, anything. Hmm. That's, that's, the, that's the last thing I can speak to without getting into spoilers about this film, really. But otherwise, for me, overall, it, the film works. It's a fine thriller. It's not excellent. Not one of the best movies of the year. 
I'm able to enjoy it. I, not a lot of things really kill the movie for me or hurt the film for me. It, it just It's just a thriller that works, just like so many other thrillers where people have to survive. It, and it's just grounded a little bit more than your over-the-top action film, right? You're not going to see Angelina Jolie be an, an absolute badass in this film. You're going to see Angelina Jolie try to deal with some past trauma and try to survive. That's that's what this movie really, that's what it's operating on. So with that said, uh, Shanna, before we get into spoilers, does the good outweigh the bad? Yeah, sure. That's why I watched it. A, I, I, I didn't mind watching it a second time. I think it's worth watching. If you can do it at the cinema, go for it. We all know that the cinema could use our support. Yeah. And if you can only manage to do it on streaming, then I'm sure we're all, you know, every, all the creators are grateful for that too. It won't hurt. What yeah. do you rate the film out of 10? It's maybe a solid seven. Okay. I think the good outweighs the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say it's a six out of 10. A six out of 10 film. I kind of feel more like that too. Why? Now that you say that. Really? Why is that? Well, just because of like how much I'm not able to assume. Uh, you know, a lot of things that that's weren't That's probably the big reason. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, we have a couple things to speak to in spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film, we do recommend you do check it out. Come back, join us for spoilers afterwards. Because from here on out, we're going to speak to spoilers and final thoughts on those who wish me dead and then uh, wrap up the show. So, Shanna, let's start with Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, he, he pops up. Mm. And just once he's revealed to be the assassin's boss. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? So second time watching it, I I mean, like I was really paying attention at certain points, right? To get, try and get more information. And this was one of those points where I was. Mm -hmm. And basically Tyler Perry only exists because they're not getting the job done because they haven't killed the boy at this point. And there's documents out there somewhere, which I know nothing about. Like uh -huh. the father writes on a piece of paper all the things yeah. that, that the media needs to know about. And maybe on there, something is revealed, like go to Locker 27 and you'll have documents, <laughs> you know? Right, I right. don't know. And don't know. the film doesn't pause long enough or angle well enough yeah. for me to pause and actually read what was written. Which I'm like, oh, come on, you know, so. Right. Seeing Tyler Perry, he has this guy, you're having a meeting. It seems a little far off course because we're deep in the forest and then we're at a truck stop where there right. is no forest. Well, it's not. It's, is it a truck stop or is it an airport? I guess it's a truck stop, huh? It feels like a truck stop yeah. to me yeah. because it probably is, right? There's probably yeah. lumber happening there. and. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't they just meet at the airport? because surely Tyler Perry's character would have had to have flown in. Well, because right? they didn't kill the dad yet at that point. So. Oh, they didn't find yeah. Okay. And so this is why Tyler Perry comes in. The boy has not been killed and there's documents missing. Yeah. So it almost feels like there's two parts that these people, these assassins are supposed to deal with. Yeah. And there's no indication. Like when the man said, like when Tyler Perry says documents, I'm like, well, where the fuck are those? Because right. I didn't see the dad grab anything. Yeah. I almost feel like there's a different version of this movie and that maybe that's why it's so short mm. is because a lot got cut out. I don't know. So maybe. I'm curious about that. 
Yeah. Um, because there's definitely info missing. You know, we see... What do you want to say about Tyler Perry? Well, it's it's definitely a walk-on role that feels incomplete for for a lot of the reasons that you're yeah. saying. It, it suggests more context, but doesn't give more context. So, yeah, it's it's a little weird. It's It's a little weird. It's like, why do we need this scene do we need this scene Mm. i don't know that we need this scene like i can see the assassins are fucking up you know (laughs) like uh, but the situation is what it is and you can see they're still trying to yeah and they're kind of frustrated with the situation too yeah um yeah so it could have just been a phone call it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I expected to see more of Tyler Perry. I was like, you got fucking Tyler Perry, and he's playing yeah. a bad guy, which is against his type. Uh, this is interesting. I guess I'm, and then the movie comes to, I guess I'm not going to see more of Tyler Perry. All yeah. right. Yeah. So that was weird. What, what else did you want to talk about? I would have liked to have known more about the assassins. Not a lot, just a little bit more information. That they're twins and how that's humanly yeah, what possible. The fuck. <laughs> so. <laughs> It should have just remained as brothers. Honestly, I, I, yeah. I didn't get that they were brothers till the second time I watched. Oh, really? So, okay. And then I wish I knew more about this. I have a resistance to, I'm fine killing children and and mothers and fathers. But if you're a pregnant mother-to-be... A pregnant woman, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not touching that. I felt it was, I needed more. If you're okay killing children, yeah. maybe just a, a little bit shooken. And if you're okay killing mothers and fathers, families, then tell me why you're not okay killing a pregnant woman. Mm. Like if that's, if you've got your line, perfect, yeah, yeah. perfect. It's nice. You're still somewhat human, but tell me why. Like don't, I think that's know, fair. Yeah. Mess with me. Let's segue to the pregnant woman. Yes. Oh God. She was fantastic. Medina. Um, the, yes, Medina is the actress's name and she plays Allison, who is John Bernthal's wife. I want to see more mothers being depicted in this way because it gives me, it's changing the way that we depict them. And I just really love that concept. Well, let's, let's give context to what you're talking about here. So we first get introduced to her as the pregnant wife back home waiting for her husband to get off work and come home and join her right and that seems to be the extent of the role until it isn't until she becomes the target of the assassins right and it turns out we don't know anything about her or her past or who she is or what kind of work she did or does or whatever but she's kind of a badass <laughs> it turns out she knows how to take care of herself and she really surprises us the audience and the assassins right she certainly does a number on aiden gillen right mm-hmm. um by torching his face oh that was so fantastic and he tries like distracting her by saying well you know the thing that she's using to ignite to, to that's flammable no he, he tries saying like you're pointing it the wrong way right yeah, which is actually you're doing it wrong. a smart tactic to make some, a lot of people would look right to make sure and i've even seen that in movies someone mm. looks oh you got the safety off oh and they look and then that <laughs> gives them opportunity to take down the gun yeah in this case she's like she just stares at him and says no i'm not and she ignites the the flames yeah. and all over his face pretty freaking badass right so cool and also a nice, like, shove mansplaining up the ass kind of 
<laughs> like this is someone who runs a survival school. Oh, we do know that much. Yeah. Oh, okay. She runs the survival school. Yeah, okay, it's her okay. thing. I missed that, I guess. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, so she's pretty cool. Was there anything else you wanted to speak to? I She was like my favorite part of the film. It is interesting how it kind of like is subversive in the sense that you think the cop is going to be the one that is the big help in the film. And in fact, she's the big help. The, mm. the wife back home ends up Who being is six months pregnant, ends up being the big help. And, in the, and, summer. and the cop is the one that dies. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting and cool. Uh, the only thing that kind of left me with a huh kind of feeling, not big, but a little bit of a huh kind of feeling was there's this raging fire and we never get any indication that anybody's fighting it and, or it like is paying attention to it at all. And then like the movie and in the movie ends yeah. and it's like, okay, these people survived, but apparently the fire's still going. Like who's taking care of the fire? Well, we see helicopters going after it. Right. We're so focused on like Angelina Jolie and, yeah. and all of those people that, you know, they're not going to be able to show I get it. But that's why I'm thinking, oh, it feels like there's things cut from this film. And maybe that's yeah. something that was cut. Yeah, it makes me wonder about the source novel, too, which I know nothing about. You know, what 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 sort of things were in the novel that's not in the movie and vice versa. Just kind of left me a little, a little bit of a huh kind of feeling, you know? So that, that's why I think the movie is a decent thriller. It's not a great film. And it's certainly not on the level of Taylor Sheridan's other work and it's unfortunate but i'm not going to give the movie um a a one-star review or anything did you have any other final thoughts on those who wish me dead no i I think that's about it i i know that we talked about the effect of fire uh it seemed pretty real to me but i'm not an expert at witnessing fires so i do wish i could have the conversation with someone who's in the know to be like okay yeah. talk, tell me talk to me about fire behavior and is, is it really like is this really a thing that can happen you know like fire chasing after you and stuff like that because of the wind or how it spreads or whatever i wouldn't be surprised if i would be surprised if that makes sense you know what yeah. i mean like there's a lot I'm, i wouldn't be surprised if there's things i don't know that really does make forest fires quite dangerous and bad. I almost <laughs> I almost want a different film where we're actually focusing on that and where we get to see all the the nitty-gritty things that fire forest firefighters have to do and yeah. you know how intense is it bringing volunteers from a different state to come over and help with that because I think it does need our attention. All right. So, those are our thoughts on those who wish me dead. What are your thoughts on the film? Do you agree or disagree with our take on the film? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. That is going to do it for this episode, sadly, of The Movie Lovers. Shannon, before we talk about the next episode, tell everyone where they can find you online. You can find me online on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography and on Flickchart spellbinding A. Excellent. Go to thegibsonreview.com to find feature articles and reviews such as my Disney Through the Years series, which I am working my way through. I'm very behind, but I'm almost done with the 70s. I'm hoping to have that published very soon. The live action features reviewed and ranked. Go to 
Also, facebook.com slash the Gibson Review. Or if you prefer, Instagram, the Gibson 99. I sometimes do bracket polls there, which is a fun little interactive activity that you can participate in. Recently, we did a poll of your favorite 2007 movie. That ended up being Hot Fuzz by Edgar Wright. We're finishing up at time of recording your 2006 movie. And uh, it's down to the final four. And uh, I'm sure at the time that this move, this uh, review is posted, you'll be able to look to find out what movie won. Also go to Flick Chart, the Gibson 99 to find me there. Next time on The Movie Lovers, I promise we will have a film fave segment back and again. Oh, which one? Well, Shanna, our oh, okay. main event review will be the long-anticipated, much-waited-for A Quiet Place 2, which was originally going to release in April of last year, about four weeks after the pandemic escalated. And our film faves will be alien invasion movies. Now, the one caveat, we talked about this back a year ago when oh we gosh, were going I don't to make remember it, anything right? about this. The one caveat was it's it's we're going to focus on actual alien invasion movies like with aggressive intent, not not your ETs. not the iron giant. Right. Right. Okay. Not not an actual invasion. So not, like Mars attacks right. Independence Day. Right. Not your random stranded alien who just wants to get back home or your peaceful aliens. We're talking about full-on <laughs> invasion. What are our okay. favorite alien invasion movies? That's, That's next time on The Movie Lovers. Look for that episode Tuesday, June 8th. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.